Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, here with the latest episode of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast. On Mondays, my guest is always Housing Wire lead analyst Logan Motoshami, so we can cover the latest economic news. But before we dive in, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Why should you price your jumbo loans with PennyMac TPO? Is it the same great service you've come to expect with their conventional loans? Yes. Is it the competitive pricing they provide? Yes. Is it the fact that after closing, they don't sell off your borrowers so that you know they are in good hands? That would also be a yes. Get more information or price a jumbo AUS loan today at tpo.pennymac.com. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender. NMLS ID number 35953. Loans not available in New York. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Okay, we are ready to get started. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is great to be here, Sarah. It's great to have you. And wow, so much is going on. I say that every week, but really, literally this week. Okay, we've, we finally had the rate hike. So that's what I want to talk about first. Rates, rates, rates. Tell us about rates. Yes. Yeah, so the Federal Reserve initiated the first rate hike, which initiated my second recession red flag. Uh, I have six of them. So this is number two. Uh, and the quarter point hike is not the uh, factor what's going to create a recession. It is the progression of the economic expansion from uh, you know a recovery stage into a more mature stage of the economy, and then eventually in time we'll eventually get to a recession. But uh, the Fed raised rates, the ten year yield sold off aggressively, mortgage rates went up, bond markets come down a little bit, and we are so close to an inverted yield curve, which would be recession red flag number three. Uh, something I've been on watch since Thanksgiving of uh, 2021. So. There's a lot going on with the Federal Reserve, the bond market, inflation, and the rate hikes. And then on top of all that, with the shortages and global chains, global supply chains, we have the Russian invasion to add on to it. So much. You know, we talked last week about that sort of push-pull. So we have inflation, which would normally mean one thing, but then we also have this flight to safety because of the Russian-Ukraine situation. So, um, you know, you you wrote an article for us last week that says what the Fed rate hike means for the economy. And it also talks about what that means for the housing market. So tell us a little bit about where we are this week instead of last week as far as that push-pull. So one of the main things in my 2022 forecast, and, and this is something I've never done in any of my bond market forecasts, I gave a premise to how to get the 10-year yield above 1.94%, which has been a very critical level for me, and to possibly get to 2.42%. And that would require global yields, especially Japan and Germany, to rise. Uh, Japan and Germany's 10-year yields have risen very noticeably uh, this year. So bond yields globally are rising. But if you look at the his- history of the 10-year yield, more uh, mortgage rates, inflation, and growth, we are still at levels to where, you know, in previous decades, people would think we're in a depression. 
you know, bond yields are so low. So the, the, the fact that mortgage rates are this low and the 10 year yield is this low, even with all this, with the hottest economic growth, the hottest inflation data, uh, the Fed being very hawkish, the bond market just refuses to move higher in an aggressive fashion. So it is kind of where I thought it would be, but the Federal Reserve is gun ho about uh, raising rates seven or eight times. Uh, the bond market is talking about, well, you're going to invert the yield curve and, and the inversion is, is you're going to hear it more and more. Uh, that is a recessionary indicator on a historical backdrop. It, we've always had, not every single time, but majority of times, we've always had a recession after the invert, inverted yield curve. So that is something we'll have to watch for the rest of the year. Who's going to win this battle? Um, one of the things I've talked about on social media is that we might have to be open to the idea that the Federal Reserve might be raising rates when there is an inverted yield curve happening, which means half the country will be talking about a recession and the other half will be, oh, what are you, why are you raising rates? Because the inflation uh, is so hot on a year-over-year basis, they want to get that controlled. So they're putting their head downs and going through with it while the long end of the bond curve, bond yields is like, hey, we're pretty much at where we've typically been for the last few years. Uh, uh, we're not really going to push the 10-year yield higher. And QE has ended. So it's not, it's no longer while well, QE is holding bond yields back now. So we're kind of in this very unique situation with inflation and growth because typically mature economies don't grow this fast or have this kind of hot inflation. But we're here, we have to deal with it. And now every week, all the data lines are going to be more crucial because if the Russian invasion creates global growth to slow down, if Japan and Germany's 10 year yields come back down, I'm afraid the bond market will come back down, and that means the inventory crisis stays here in America. Okay, well, we are about to get to the inventory crisis, but before we leave this, I wanted to talk about your recession model, right? So you were um, you wrote the America's Back Recovery Model on April seventh, twenty twenty, and and you laid out a plan for how we were how the economy was going to recover from the COVID, you know, caused recession, which ended up being very very short. And you're one of the only people, if not the only person, you're, I think you're the only person to put dates on it that, that really modeled that out. Um, in addition to that, you, I mean, you're looking at, you have models all the time, you have economic models and you have a recession model. And what that means is you're looking for signs that say, Hey, we're headed into that. And I would yes. love for you to tell us like, what are the six flags and how many of those are raised? Well, I have six of them. Unless you have an exogenistic shock like COVID, uh, usually a, a certain amount of data lines have to occur before you could be on recession watch. Right now, only two of the six are up. Uh, the inverted yield curve, which can happen next week, you know, in theory, uh, that would be number three. So until all six are up, uh, I, I, I don't say we're on recession watch or the recession has happened. My job is to show you the progression of this. Uh, and it worked really well during the uh, housing uh, uh, bubble years where all six red flags were up you know, in 2006, you know, the, the job loss recession happened in 2008, but uh, it, it's a progression model. So it's not the sexiest thing out there, but it's here to design to teach people that you can track economic cycles, recessions and expansions, but you just have to look at the certain data lines uh, to get there. So again, uh, two out of six are up. We're watching for the third one and we'll take it one week at a time. Remember this, this Russian invasion is, should have the same kind of, you know, in a sense, respect on what it can do to the global economy, just like COVID did. But COVID-19 was different because the Federal Reserve was cutting rates. 
fiscal disaster relief. We threw everything we can to help the economy. Now it's not that case anymore. The Fed is hiking rates. There's no disaster relief checks coming anymore. We're all kind of on our own here. So we need to uh, be a little bit more mindful and critical of the data coming out. Really, really great point. And thankfully, we have the employment situation that we do. So most people are employed because otherwise, you know, the kind of inflation people are seeing on gas and food and stuff, that's really hard to take. Yeah, well, wages are up. Uh, employment is up. Job openings are over 11 million. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to the September 2022 goal uh, that I put out there that we should get all the jobs back that we lost to COVID. Uh, the, the demographic turnover is much different in this decade than it was in the previous decade. So it, it's one of these things where the economy is hot, right? The labor market is really hot. Uh, 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 people are, are getting wage increases. They're, uh, they're, they're, companies are fighting for labor right now. Uh, and every year that goes by, more baby boomers are leaving the workforce. They need to be replaced. So it's a very hot labor market. So it, it, we don't have to worry about a massive job loss recession when we have such high job openings and jobless claims are extremely low right now. I think that's really important to point out. You know, people, especially if they uh, consume a certain kind of news, it can just feel like, oh, everything's terrible. Everything, you know, and it's like, well, I mean, they, there's a lot of challenges out there, but also there's a lot of uh, positive things happening as well. Yes. And again, as always for me, uh, the only reason I really kept on writing about economics after 2015 is to give people a source for the economic expansion and recession. It wasn't so much about the housing market. And there has to be people out there that do not do professional grifting or, or stock traders or something like that. We believe in economic models. We believe that nerds have a place in history. So <laughs> I am just simply progressing that along. Okay, well, let's dive into the housing market specifically. You wrote two articles for us last week, um, but both of those kind of come down to, they come back to one of the central problems, if not the worst problem right now, and that is housing inventory. So last week, uh, over the weekend, you had a tweet go viral. And, you know, so you had a picture of a house, a, a pretty, you know, modest looking house. It was uh, in, it's outside of LA. And um, tell us about that tweet and what happened. You know, a friend of mine was taking a video of a house in uh, Pico Rivera, and uh, she had said there's 75 to 100 people in line. You know, that, that picture there was, you know, it, it, it just, it, just for me personally, this is what everyone should have always been, a, a, like, a worried about. Uh, it wasn't a forbearance crash. It isn't millions of people foreclosing on their hounds. We inventory has been falling for a very long time, but slowly. But when demand picked up in the years 2020 to 2024, it can drive inventory to a certain level that would create chaos. And it's not FOMO. It's not people missing out or anything. It's just people need somewhere to live. And we have the biggest housing demographic patch ever recorded in history. And we have the lowest mortgage rates ever recorded in history. But third is we have the best loan profiles ever recorded in history. So people are set, locked in. They're doing well in their homes. Uh, uh, the home is now, people could realize it's the best hedge against inflation right now is that 30-year mortgage under three and a quarter percent. So people just want to find somewhere to live. And when inventory gets to these levels, you know, for example, the, the NAR, uh, uh, at, the, you know, at the start of the year, we had 860,000 homes available, total units available. You look for a population of over 330 million, you know, and here in Los Angeles or in Southern California, you know, one of the things I talked about early is that, you know, you take Los Angeles, San Diego and Orange County, three very major populated areas. We had less than 6,500 homes for sale. So that Los Angeles tweet really shows that, that it is just an inventory crisis. 
And it's gotten so bad in 2022 that I've upgraded the housing market from an unhealthy housing market to a savagely unhealthy housing market. Uh, and it's such a shame. It's such a shame. Here it is, the biggest demographic patch ever, the household formation was happening, and we have to deal with this. And it's not just the existing inventory. Housing starts. Housing permits, great. Housing starts, solid. Housing completions, terrible. Uh, and what I mean by housing completions, if you look at that, it's not, um, we just have a straight line from really from 2016. We have gone nowhere for years. It just takes too long to uh, uh, build a home. And one of the risks now, you know, and something I talked about in that, in that article is that, you know, since it's taking so long to finish a home, a lot of homeowners are frustrated because they're seeing mortgage rates rise so much uh, during this period. And they're thinking, wait a second, I, you know, attempted to buy this home uh, with 3% mortgage rates and now it's four and a half. So there could be some risk of some cancellations going out in the future. That's something we uh, keep an, an eye on whenever rates rise. Hasn't really happened yet. Uh, a friend of mine that I talked to that sells new homes, uh, she was saying that, you know, buyers are just frustrated, but what are they going to do? It's it's like this everywhere, you know, you know, and it's it's harder in the existing home sales market. So uh, it, there's a lot of frustration, and and I and I totally agree with it. You know, people just want somewhere to live, and we just don't have enough product for them right now. You know, I think that uh, your new name for the most the savagely unhealthy. Uh, how, what was your phrase that? The most un, the most savagely unhealthy housing okay, market. Okay, the most ever. savagely unhealthy housing market. It's true because savage is the right word. It is savage to be um, those homeowners. So, so the article that you're referencing is how will rising rates affect new home construction? Because of course, you know, if if we're so desperately needing new inventory, where is that going to come from? And so, it's a great article for people to look at for home building. Yeah. And, and, and I also always like to remind people this, the housing construction boom that started in the mid nineties to 2005, didn't make home prices cheaper. No, right. There is a dynamic in the U S economy that, uh, uh, when you're a credit base and rates are low, it keeps the demand flowing. So in, in theory, you have to oversupply a market, but in, in reality, post 1996, the only time we really had a real solid increase in inventory is demand weakness. So if you don't have demand weakness in a bigger scale, we don't have inventory. And I, and I, and I, and I always use 1996 to 2022 for a reason. I, I actually ignore everything post uh, pre-1996 is because mortgage rates took another leg lower. The civilian workforce has grown to a certain number. So it's really rare in America post-1996 to have home sales under 4 million, even if rates were at 8%, 7%, 6%. So the system is designed to keep prices going and the system is designed to keep rates low. So it's problematic. You really need weakness in demand. And the last time we ever had a total inventory rise in America was 2014. Purchase applications were down 20% year over year. We had negative home sales, not too much, but inventory increased a little bit. Sales were down, but that was it. You know, so uh, it's just uh, hopefully people can understand why the concern for me is years 2020 to 2024 is going to be different than the last decade. Rates are low. Demographics are really big. Boy, we're it, it's it's a crisis. It is a crisis that we've never had to deal with in this country uh, in recent modern day history. The inventory crisis specifically is what you're talking about. Yeah, the inventory. Well, crisis. you know, on Friday we had existing home sales come out. So talk to us about that. 
Yeah, you know, just like last year, uh, I do believe existing home sales trends back lower uh, uh, and then finds a base and we can see if we can move on from that. Uh, so the existing home sales fell a little bit. I wasn't a big believer of the January 6.5 million uh, home sales uh, number. I thought we had just had some spillover from December that didn't close in December and close there. So existing home sales look fine to me, stable demand. That's kind of my thing. I'm not a credit boom or housing sales boom person. I'm just about the stable replacement demand. But days on market is 18 days. Not good. Inventory on a year-over-year basis, negative. Meeting home price up 15%. So the savagely unhealthy housing market is continuing in the existing home sales. Demand is simply too stable to allow inventory channels to increase. And this is one of the reasons why I'm like team higher rates. I don't have any other way I could think of that inventory could rise in a meaningful fashion. And until we get to total inventory levels, about 1.52 to 1.93 billion, it's an unhealthy housing market. It's just got worse this year. Uh, per the NAR report, we have 870,000. And we are heading into April soon. And the seasonal push in inventory is going to happen we just need year-over-year growth. We don't need. To, we keep on seeing this year-over-year negative data, so it's gotten worse in 2022. Really amazing. In that existing home sales data, uh, one of the things that you and I were talking about that you talk about in your article is the fact of like the percentage of homes that are now being bought by investors and the percentage of homes that are all cash. And so both of those numbers can seem really. Um, uh, inflammatory if you look at them. And so you and I were talking about it, you added it in because I was like, give us some context about, tell us what those numbers are and then tell us what the context of those numbers are. So the NAR does these surveys and uh, for context, I, I I put back in 2016. In 2016, we had more cash buyers back then as a percentage of uh, sales. We're, that was, I think, about 26%. Now we're at 25%. Uh, historically, before 2008, you know, the survey only had like a 10% of uh, uh, cash buyers as a, as a part of the traditional curve. After 2008, a lot of things changed. Investors and cash buyers were bigger or in the early part of the uh, previous expansion just because a lot of them were buying distressed bulk foreclosed homes and they would sell them right away. Uh, we don't have that anymore. And in that comparable uh, uh, chart to 2016, you can see that distressed sales were much higher back then. Because uh, we were winding down the inventory after the housing bubble crash. Here, distressed sales are like 1%. There's nothing going on there. Uh, uh, so the cash buyers and investors are growing. Uh, I think uh, sales to investors was about 3% higher now than it was in 2016. So it just gives some context because uh, what happens is everyone thinks, oh, it's investors that are holding up this housing market. That is a very, very rookie mistake to make because that makes it seem like housing can never fade because it's not mortgage buyers. No. If you want to hate on a group of people because home prices are rising to them, you hate on mortgage buyers, your fellow Americans buying homes to, to live in, to have sex, to have kids, to have their kids go to school and raise. Those are the people you should be angry about because they're the bigger buyer. So uh, the reason I, I really want to push back on the investor whole pushing the market is that it there is no Wall Street moat or investor remote uh, or moat around housing. When mortgage demand fades, so will housing. There is, they're, they're not big enough to make up the difference, but they have been increasing uh, uh, you know, last year, but it's nothing like the proportional uh, um, myth that people are making it out to be because I think everyone needs to find an enemy and they want it to be Wall Street. Uh, they want it to be investors, not mortgage buyers. It's really lame to like look at your neighbor and go, you're the problem, you know? 
you know, so it's just, <laughs> that's the world we live in. And I try, I try to bring that conversation and hopefully that chart on the article could bring a little bit of perspective into what we're dealing with right now. I do think though, if you have uh, much, you know, much fewer distress sales, which we can see, then those investors, what they're buying, you know, they are being more competitive. Maybe they're more in competition with your typical home buyer. What do you think? Yeah, well, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a rising mortgage demand market. Uh, Obviously purchase application data is much higher than what it was in 2016. So total demand is, and, and this is one of the reasons why whenever I talk about housing demand, I always say you have to talk about the demand in the hold. That's you know, first time home buyers, millennials, move up buyers, move down buyers, cash buyers and investors. And you put them all together, total home sales in years 2020 to 2024 should be about 6.2 million or higher. That's happening. That, that, isn't, that doesn't look odd to me. The only way this changes is if home prices accelerate too much, which they have, and mortgage rates really spike higher, which they really haven't too much, uh, uh, then that could, that could put that 6.2 million new and existing home sales combined at risk. So it's just, it's unfortunate that we have all these price gains in a very short amount of time, because obviously everyone can see we had a lot of leeway on prices, but if it was growing just at three to 4%, it'd be much better than what we're dealing with double digit growth. And again, the fear is that we have five years of double digit home price growth. That's what we do not want. And the only me- mechanism we have to, to create a breather is higher mortgage rates. Well, and double digit growth, yes, but in some cases in the 20s and all the yeah, way it's, to it's, 30%. It's, 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 it's a savagely unhealthy market now. So it's, it's, like, it's like we've completely lost it. It's chaos now. It's like a, it's like a Bosch painting from the old days. Nice. Okay. Well, what are you looking for this week? What are you going to be keeping an eye on? Well, new home sales is coming up. And again, you know, uh, housing permits are going up and housing starts. A lot of it has been pushed by multifamily, uh, single family homes. Sales are just okay. You know, it's just an okay housing market. And again, you're not going to see a construction boom in America like people want. But uh, rule of thumb is as long as monthly supply of new homes is below six and a half months uh, and, and new home sales are growing, they will build. Um you know, it's the builder's confidence index took a dive. Uh, and I'm, I'm a big believer. Just keep an eye on the trend on that. And mortgage rates rising really impacts that sector more than any other uh, sector. So that's your first uh, uh, first test is a new home sales market. So I'm keeping I'm going to keep an eye on that report and see where the monthly supply is and, and where we go from there. Thank you so much for, for being on. We always appreciate it. And for our HW Plus members, um, which is our premium membership, that's how you get all of Logan's content. It's uh, We really value that and so does our audience. And then also those HW Plus members get access to a Q&A with you on a special Slack channel every couple of weeks where they can ask you uh, economic questions. That's also been extremely popular. Yes, we're, we're going to start doing that twice a month because, man, there is just a lot going on. You know, there is not a boring uh, month or a week or day even in, in this There's decade. really not. And, you know, you're not on Clubhouse anymore, which is where a lot of people used to be able to uh, lob questions at you. So uh, so we've created our own way. Yeah. And my, my advice to everyone in Clubhouse, the reason I deleted Clubhouse because it was the worst place for talking <laughs> economics. There was just craziest, useless people Ever and it was an abomination to <laughs> economics. The things that we're talking about there. Tell so us how I you really feel, Logan. <laughs> yeah, I, I that was just like if 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 it was if, if it was a, a phone, I could just smash that thing. Clubhouse was the work. 
I mean, it was, it, it's borderline Russian trolling. That's how bad it was, especially in some of the housing discussion. Not, I'm not talking about some of the mortgage people that I used to talk with, but boy, there were some really horrific housing crash people that just had no idea what they were talking about. I was just like, oh my God, and in economics as well. And they're a bunch of crybabies. That's one of the things, they're always complaining and crying. It's just like, man, just leave the country if you're gonna cry like this every day. Why are you gonna live like this way? Nobody likes anyone soft. Come on, pop it up. If you don't follow Logan on social, that last part uh, might seem foreign to you, but this is uh, this is his, what he does. So. Thankfully, we've provided a different format where people um, can really ask some really interesting questions. Those are great. So, Logan, thank you so much. And we will talk again next week. All right. Sounds good, Sarah. Talk to you later. Looking for more insight into what will happen in 2022? Or maybe you need more information on what in the world is happening with the federal regulators. Or you could just be looking for information on how to stay competitive as the industry shifts to a purchase-focused market. Our HW Plus Premium Membership comes with all of this insight and more. With your HW Plus Membership, you'll get at least five HW Plus articles a week that dive deeper into the daily news to help you confidently make business decisions. To join, go to housingwarrant.com forward slash membership. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.